This is Frank Preaching, a podcast for preachers and people and whoever might be interested in listening to a sermon. I tried to script this this week so it would be better, and then the scripting turned out awful, and so I'm going off the cuff like I usually do. This is hopefully the last Dark Sermon for a while. Lent will be over on Sunday as we celebrate Easter. Um, this sermon, the point might have gotten a little lost, it might have gotten a little muddy, but hopefully even if I got us lost to the point, you can find it. Um, If you enjoy, recommend, subscribe, you know, all that stuff. Make sure to keep checking out the website. And as always, God bless. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he was sent... He sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say this, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked him, Why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was approaching, as he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. Almost every Bible you pick up, if it's got headings for the different sections, It calls this the triumphant entry. And so I asked myself as I was preparing, how do we define triumph? And then I had this weird realization that I wasn't even quite sure if I knew the actual definition of the word. I mean, I I thought I knew, but I, I wasn't quite sure. And so I looked it up in the dictionary. And I was right. A triumph is when you have victory over something or you've completed this great achievement. But triumph also has another definition that I didn't realize and where it actually comes from. What a triumph was in Roman times is when the general had gone out into the world and he'd had his battle and he'd been victorious. The triumph was when he re-entered into Rome. And there was the celebrations and the palm branches. 
That was the triumph. He'd come home victorious. And there were people there to honor him. And so I just went down that thinking path. Well, how do we define victory? How do we define what it means to be victorious? And again, I went to the dictionary for a little bit of inspiration. And the definition was to defeat an enemy. When you talk about victory, there is definitely, you are elevated over somebody else. You have won something. There is a contest. There is a a battle. There is something that you have won over something else. And you are divided. There are two groups and you have won. You are over top of something else. You have beaten something else. Victory has to do with creating defeat for somebody else. And the triumph is the glory that comes from that victory. So the question that popped into my mind even stronger was, how do we define glory? In every definition of the word, if you just look at this event in and of itself, this is a triumph. Because the people are there and they are praising Jesus for all the works that he has done. They are praising him for all that he is giving them. They are bowing before him. They are covering his path. Jesus has gotten to a point in his earthly ministry where he has gained a considerable amount of earthly glory. There are people that are worshiping at his feet. There are people that are bowing before him. He is power that is only reserved for kings. They are glorifying him in an earthly way. In every definition of our worldly view, this is truly a triumphant entry. Jesus has done these good things. He has had victories over his enemies. And these have been verbal victories, but they have been victories in the temples and in the streets. He has made the Pharisees and the Sadducees look bad. He has gone over top of them. He has made his power to look greater than even the Romans. And so all of his subjects, all those gathered, all of his disciples are glorifying him. They're praising him. They're giving him the lauds, the public praises. They are all worshiping him. He has had his triumph. He has already had his victory of sorts. And on this day, he has even another victory. They are all screaming and yelling and praising. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like, you need to quiet them down. You need to shut them up. And he's like, even if they were to be quiet, the stones would shout. He has his victory that day. He knows that in that moment, he is more powerful than the Jewish leadership. And this could have been victory. He could have continued down this path and gained more power, 
And this could have been his ultimate triumph. But this isn't the victory that Christ was looking for. What is Christ's victory? What is the victory that he is seeking? He is seeking victory over death and victory over sin. Two things that are very grand. Two things that are very large. And two things that you can only have victory over with sacrifice. Christ's victory would be an act of sacrifice. If this moment is the triumphal entry, this is the earthly triumph. If this moment is the triumphant entry, this is only victory for things that people wanted on earth. The people that are gathered here are not praising him because he's going to give them eternal salvation. They're praising him because of the power that they've seen already. Because of the power that has blessed them on earth. The power that has given them things. This is praising for earthly blessings. Now, the Luke version doesn't have it, but the other Gospels said that they started screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means, save us, we pray. Save us. And I gather that those that were gathered there that day wanted saving on earth. Much like Judas and the other zealots, they believed that Christ was coming with a sword to save them from their Roman oppressors. And maybe some of them even saw that the Jewish leadership was oppressors too, and Jesus was going to save them from that. When they shouted Hosanna, when they were praising God, when they were glorifying Jesus and giving him louds, they were doing it for the earthly blessings. But he was there to give them eternal salvation. Not saving in this world, not saving on this temporary plane, but saving in the next. Saving eternal. So the question I ask is what kind of glory do we want? Do we want the glory of the triumphant entry, or do we want the glory of the cross? And a step further than that, what glory do we want for God and Christ? Do we want Christ to have the glory of the triumphant entry, the worship and the louds and the praise? Or do we want the glory of the cross? Not a public glory, not an earthly glory, but a glory that gives us salvation. Do we want our blessings to be for our current state? Because in our current state, in our temporary world, there are true needs that we want and true needs that we have. Our bodies have needs. Our lives have needs. And I believe that God created us for this earth to live on this earth. And so those needs need to be met. And while Christ was on the earth, he provided for those needs for the people. 
Because if you look through the Gospels, Christ is providing for people constantly. He is giving and blessing and healing. Healing blindness, healing leprosy, feeding 5,000. He is doing all of these things for the needs of the people on this earth. But at the end of it all, this world is temporary. And at the end of it all, God's glory is not of this world. God's glory is not to save us on earth. God's glory is to save us in eternity, to save us in heaven. So when we shout Hosanna, we shout, save us. We bow before God and say, save us, we pray. What are we asking God to save us from? This kind of gets weird, but if we are following Christ's example, we should be saving each other on the earth. Because Christ provided while he was on earth. And we should be providing saving and blessing and providing for the needs of each other while on this earth. And then when we look and we pray to God to save us, we are praying that God saves us in eternity. And that is the glory that we want for God and we want for Christ. We want them to have the glory of the cross not the glory of this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am so sorry about the intro and the outro audio. I forgot all of my TRS adapters and the church is half an hour away, and so it didn't seem like a good use of my time today. Um, if I was getting paid for this, maybe, but not this time around. Hopefully you did find the points, but if you didn't, if it got way too money, let me know. I love feedback. Feedback is one of the greatest things that you can get as you're trying to improve yourself. This, it's a project that I'm enjoying, but I, one of my flaws is that I'm a people pleaser, and so I like feedback. If you've got any feedback for this, that doesn't have to do with the audio quality because that's uh, just an equipment problem, let me know. Especially sermons. I, I love feedback. Beyond that, I guess there's not a whole lot else for me to say. I hope you have a good Holy Week. I hope you enjoy this. I hope that your mind is ever on God and that... He is continually blessing you, and I pray that we can all find his path in our life.